Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined, as always, by my fantastic co-hosts. First up, when he's buying individual magic cards, especially for his Magecraft deck, he cannot resist calling them Magecraft singles. It's Matt Morgan. You know, I, I heard about an astronaut who broke up with his girlfriend. It was really, really sad, but uh, he just said he wanted some space. <laughs> I, I wish I understood that joke. I'm feeling like a fool that I don't. Because the astronauts, they go past the atmosphere of the Earth into space. And it's it's double entendre for he needs some space away from his significant other. I'm realizing that it wasn't that I didn't understand the joke. It's that I wasn't listening. Anyway, <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Maybe that was too user cool error. User <laughs> error. What, what a tone to start off the podcast. Love you so much, Matt. Anyway, up next, he asks, why Magecraft when you could craft mages? It's Dana Roach. Uh, the day this show airs will be the day WotC-sanctioned in-store play returns here to the U.S. And I know everyone is very excited about going back to their shop and playing, but I want to remind you all that no matter what, there is still one important item of clothing you should be wearing, um, pants. A- after a year of playing Spell Table Commander, wear pants. You've gotten out of the habit. Just put them on when you go to your shop. Please, I'm begging you, wear your pants. I, I see. I was going to remind everyone to make sure you know if you're drinking soda, you know, put the lid back on there because if it spills, you're going to have a tabernacle of ginger ale, and that's that's <laughs> what nobody wants. I was listening to that one. That was delightful, and thank you, Data. Anyway, this is the EDH Reccast. We're off to a weird start here. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the Commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new Commander decks. And here on the EDH Reccast, what we'd like to do is give all that data a little more context. Matt, what are we tackling in this week's episode? Well, this week we're welcoming everyone to the graduation ceremony of Strixhaven University or or college or community college, whatever place of higher learning this is. Um, so we're going to kind of take a quick review over all the Strixhaven cards, including Commander 2021, and uh, kind of see what the data is showing us so far. That is right. This is a, a good time to check in about the, the class of 2021 for the Strixhaven students to see which ones were the top students, what were the top spells that everyone learned, where have things sort of fallen in the format. So it'll be a whole bunch of fun. Real quick, before we get to our main show, we want to pause and give a huge thank you to the folks at the Command Zone. They handle all the post-production work on the podcast. So thank you all so much. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors for the show, too. Uh, yeah, the EDH Trackcast is sponsored by Card Kingdom and TCG Player. If you want to pick up one of the uh, new Phyrexian text Praetor cards from the uh, upcoming Secret Lair, you can go to Card Kingdom once it's out and buy any of the singles you want. Also, if you want to buy one of the new Goblin language Krenko Mob Bosses, you shouldn't do that because that doesn't exist. And that's definitely a fake. But TCG Player... <laughs> Well, make sure you don't buy a fake <laughs> Krenko mob boss in, in in Goblin because they have safeguards in place to prevent that. Just go to EDHREC and click on the card in question. Choose the vendor link down below. Doing that supports both the site and the show. 
Or if you would prefer to support the show directly, you can do so over at patreon.com slash edhretcast. We have Patreon tiers of all sorts of levels, whatever you're looking to get. Um, whether you want to join the Discord community that we have, we have a Game Finder channel where people are finding games to play with other patrons at all hours of the day. There's always a game going on, plus all the dad jokes you can handle. Or if you want some altar sleeves that we have coming out, um, you can do so at patreon.com slash edhretcast. That's right, we, we have a patron only very very special altar sleeves coming out so you can only get those by going to patreon.com slash edhretcast yeah we do have a patreon exclusive altar sleeve coming up but we've also got altar sleeves that you can buy right now on altersleeve.com slash edhretcast if you want to see our likenesses on the cards that you're playing you can get me as a sir conrad or dana pushing aside a reliquary tower or matt as an edh reclamation sage they're really really awesome and you can go find those at altersleeves.com slash edhretcast so many just just different levels of patreon that you can do. Um, we definitely appreciate all the support. We even have a very special level where we shout out a patron every single week. And so this week we do want to shout out Connor Buckert. Thank you so much, Connor. We appreciate your support. And uh, hopefully you're looking forward to getting some of these sweet altar sleeves as well. All right, fellas, let's get to our topic now, the Strixhaven graduation ceremony. Looking over the class of 2021 from Strixhaven and all the new legends and spells and things that they've learned. Let's begin our commencement address or welcome address or whatever it's called. I haven't graduated in a while. Um, and let's just get a, a, a brief tone real quick about how we felt the Strixhaven class did. Dana, let's start with you about your general impressions of the set overall before we start naming some specific names. Um, so I, I will I will note in advance here, I kind of didn't pay that much attention to the actual legendary creatures in this set. Um, oh. In part because I wasn't looking to build any new decks. So like while I read them and like, oh, okay, that's a thing, I was much more looking for cards for my existing decks and, and most of the commanders were specific enough they like didn't necessarily lend themselves to being in the 99. Um, so my personal bias here is almost definitely going to be towards support level cards versus the actual commanders. That said, very, uh, <laughs> I think they did a very nice job making some very interesting ones, um, and we're going to talk about them them as we go through the show. Um, but I, I didn't get that delve that deeply into paying attention specifically to what you could do with them for the most part. Very attentive professor, it seems to me that you are there, man. Really paying attention to all the students out there. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to poke fun because I'm, I'm actually kind of right there with you. There was a lot going on in the set. And Matt, I feel like that's also something that kind of um, didn't grind your gears. Maybe that's not the right way to say it. But it, you did encounter a handful of these students submitting way too many uh, essays, like over and over again. Their word counts were just off the chart on their essays, you know? So so brevity is not a spell that they are casting in this set. <laughs> um, just the... The, the complexity of the set um, has taken me, it, it, well, it's made me take a little bit longer just to process everything because there is so much going on on every single card, like the, the lines of text and reminder text and everything going on. Um, it is a little overwhelming. So yeah, I, I, I've tried to process the set, pl and plus you gotta consider Commander 21 came out at the same time that Strixhaven did. So that's basically two sets coming out at the same time, and man, if you're if you're not like keeping your eye on every single spoiler at all, at all times, you're gonna miss quite a bit, and I, I feel like that happened to uh, to several people out there. 
One of the interesting after effects of this, though, that I think that is kind of nice, like it does feel like we're being like almost crushed by all of the new legends and all of the new cards that are coming out for Commander. It's a lot to keep up with, but that does engender a little bit more of the feeling of when someone plays a Commander, it's less likely to be something that we've already seen before because of just how much it's exploded. So I do kind of look forward to that. It does like capture a bit of an old feeling about like, I don't know what those cards are. Like it used to be way in the way back days. And now we're kind of recapturing that a little bit. Maybe that's a vibe that I'm getting, but I feel like Strixhaven and Call Time as a one-two punch have kind of caused that to be a reality where we won't know everything that we're playing all the time because just so many cards keep coming out with so many words on them. That, that's definitely true. I think just the sheer amount of cards kind of makes that a thing too. You know, I remember not that many years ago when you would get you know, four new legends in a set or something, that's very easy for everyone in your meta or something to build those commanders. And you would just see them multiple times very, very regularly. When there's, you know, 106 new legends in a set, you, a lot of them are going to fall between the cracks. So, like, it's much easier for the these new cards to be things you forget about and then rediscover or, you know, you only know one person who has this commander deck because there's just so many choices compared to a few years back. So there's it's kind of obscurity through, I don't even know what you would call it, but I mean, there's just the, the, the sheer amount of choices kind of makes it so mm-hmm. the, the options are spread very thin. Well, and when you consider the last time that this happened with Commander 2020 with Ikoria coming out at the same time, mm-hmm. at least all of those pre-constructed decks, they were fairly narrow. They were pretty dialed in onto a specific theme, whereas the pre-cons this time, it's not that they, they're they not lacking in quality because all reviews that I've heard about the pre-cons for C21 are outstanding. Like, they're, they're great. They're absolutely just, they're working quite well, um, but they're a little more open-ended, so like, you are able to kind of ignore some cards if you weren't interested in building a Mutate deck, for example. You don't have to pay attention to the Otrimi deck as the previews were coming out because they're all pretty focused on being that specific theme, whereas the Boros deck, for example, there there's artifact synergies in there, but it's doing a little bit more than that. So you're going to see these pre-con cards in more than just a very specific deck. And, and that's one thing that um, you kind of got to watch out for because you might have missed something that's going to be absolutely great in a couple of your decks uh, just because there's just so much going on and it's very very possible to miss some absolute gems yeah and you know what speaking of gems let's actually get to some of these uh some of these students i'm gonna keep rolling with this metaphor this is a graduation ceremony dang it so yeah let's talk about some of the top students of this graduating class of strixhaven specifically we'll just take a look at a handful of the very most top students because again there are so many legends in here that it would take us a really long time and unlike a real graduation procession we don't want this to take two and a half to three hours so we'll just go through some of the the top most ones we'll start uh, Dana, can you introduce our valedictorian of the set? I'm running with this metaphor, and I hope that you all really appreciate it. Ozgear the Reconstructor, tell us all about it, because that is the most popular commander that we've got from this set, and he's crazy pants. Yeah, uh, Ozgear, the the 4.0 student, the the one who <laughs> volunteered to knock the chalk off the erasers at the end of every class just to get those bonus brownie points to make sure he aced that test. Um Osgear 2, red and white for a 4-4 four, four giant artificer with vigilance. But the important part here, you can spend a mana and sacrifice an artifact, and target creature you control gets plus 2, plus 0 till end of turn. And you can spend X and tap Osgear and exile an artifact card with mana value X from your graveyard and create two tokens that are copies of the exiled card um, as a sorcery, of course. So there's a whole lot of text on that card as... You should realize from me spending three minutes narrating it. Um, 
but that gives you a lot of things you can do with it, and that's not really something you would traditionally see in in Boros or I guess Lorehold in this case colors. Yeah, it's kind of uncharted territory for Lorehold decks or Lorehold color decks, I should say, um, that they're kind of getting not just an equipment theme, but just artifacts in general and being able to recur stuff from your graveyard. Uh, it, seeing Osgir as the valedictorian, as it were, the uh, uh, the, the class brown nose, uh, <laughs> taking all those AP classes, whatever. Um, yeah, like it's doing something absolutely just uncharted territory, brand new to the color combination. So a lot of people are very, very excited to be playing Osgir. This is a pioneer of the commander format at this point, reshaping not just Pioneer's artifacts. Pioneer is a different own. format, Joseph. Come on. <laughs> Fair. That's fair. But yeah, this is like providing us with an uh, absolutely amazing level of not even just the, you know, net card advantage that you get from creating two token copies of something, but just like it provides a greater degree of creativity that isn't just focused on the combat stuff like we've seen with so many of these legends. But also like when it does enter the combat stuff, this stuff and hurts. Like making two copies of a bronze guardian or of a mere battle sphere like if you've played against osgir yet you know that this is a deck that doesn't even just hold up on the card advantage because of all of the extra token copies it can make of little artifacts that happen to draw you cards but also that like just dealing with two copies of some of these artifact creatures that you can make is very very deadly in addition to being really creative so it is no wonder that this one managed to pull the top spot yeah I, I, completely um it, it's a ability that is always useful as well and i think that's something that's also very helpful in your commander whether it's early in the game when you're like making two copies of a mana rock or like you said really late in the game when you're making that mere battle sphere um as long as your commander's out there's always something you can do with it in this particular deck and i, I get why it's so popular love me a sacrifice outlet in the command zone as well let's move to the next most popular check-in on the next top student who didn't quite quench, uh, clinch a valedictorian but um still likes the v sounds because it's Varen. uh matt do you want to tell us about th this commander who i think would probably be voted most athletic from the class most athletic by nature of being uh, ambidextrous due to the duality of, of Veyron. <laughs> um, but Veyron is the uh, two and, uh, well, is it as, as we're kind of conditioned to say at this point. Um, but Prismari colors now, the, the blue and the red, uh, for a, a, a free to wizard, a 2-2 two -two, um, with magecraft ability. So whenever you casting or copying an instant or sorcery spell causes the triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So Mega Magecraft or... Uh, <laughs> prowess plus plus so whatever you want to call it um basically you're, you're doubling up on all those cast and copy triggers which does mean that Varen can get out of hand pretty quickly considering you know whenever you cast or copy a spell uh instant or sorcery I should say uh, you're getting plus two plus two and that's that can get out of hand really fast if any shuyun player has taught us anything um this ability <laughs> is quite potent the other thing here that strikes me about why this commander would be so popular isn't just because of the power of the ability but this is also a really unparalleled degree of creativity as well because you can shape this deck to be just a bunch of small tiny spells especially cantrips that feed into one another and then you can pop up your commander for commander damage and use maybe something like a shadow rift to make it unblockable and just totally clock people that way but you can also just focus on stuff like gutter snipe effects or even metallurgic summonings if you would prefer so there's a duality to this deck as well and having that open-endedness is a great thing that we've seen for the numbers on popular commanders this one having that additional ways multiple ways that you can take this deck instead of just one restricted way it's really opened up the potential for this commander well and matt mentioned shu yun um very much a prowess commander but tends to get played as a voltron commander in this case 
that the prowess trigger, assuming you want to go that route, tends to work a little bit better on as a prowess trigger, as, as making your team and firing off multiple versions of prowess to to buff up an entire squad of, of creatures with prowess. So, um, you know, if that was your goal and you've always wanted to build prowess and Adelaide didn't quite do it, this is kind of the better version of that as well. It's an improvement over a, a, a card that was semi-popular that just never quite felt like it had enough gas. This definitely has gas. A thing that I also want to point out here is that Vavern, while being the secondary commander from the Prismari performance deck, is like four times more popular than Zephyth under Conductor Lector, uh, who Conductor was the face Lector. commander. <laughs> Conductor Lector, who was the face commander of that deck. And that is like a thing that we don't often see is the secondary commander being way, just completely outpacing the face commander, which is, I think, also pretty unique. Although for the record, I do kind of think that folks might be sleeping on Zephyth just a little bit, but they are definitely different types of strategies. And as things go, Vavern does have more of the creativity and more of the open that I think folks really want to take advantage of. Let's move next to the next most popular commander that we're seeing here, which um, is he actually a member of the graduating class? We're talking about Extus Auric Overlord. I thought he graduated last year. Extus Auric Overlord is not a two-color commander. It's a three-color commander. It's Mardu. It's got double strike. It has magecraft. So whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, you'll get non-legendary creatures from your graveyard back to your hand. And you can use the black the backside as a sacrifice outlet as well because it is a spell that you can sacrifice creatures to make cheaper and that creates a 3-6 black and red avatar creature token that has haste. And whenever it attacks, it deals damage to each of your opponents. Folks have seen the stuff going on in all of Strixhaven. They're like, Prismari, nah, Witherbloom, I don't need pests. I want to play Aristocrats. So I'm really happy about that. This is a cool Aristocrats commander. Even though the set, it feels out of place in the set, people are loving it. Um, I'll also note that, you know, I've seen multiple of these commanders in different places at my shop, at spell table, whatever. Um, Extus is the only one I've seen more than once. And I've seen three different people with Extus decks. So yeah, it's definitely something that has that has captured people's attention for sure. Yeah, I, Exus is a card. I just I don't know what to make of it yet. Uh, whether the the front side, it's kind of you doing your like Sun Titan type of effects where you're recurring things from your graveyard, bringing them back to the hand, um, or just the backside. Like man, there's there's a lot of words on this, and the the dual face co- commanders, the legendaries. Uh, there's just a lot to keep track of, and and. Man, it's not that it's not powerful, but there's just so much going on. This is one of the commanders that I do think is probably trickier to actually build around because an aristocrat stack wants you to have a substantial number of creatures to sacrifice and to get back. But having magecraft means that you also need a substantial number of spells to go along with it. So writing that line is really tricky. So that is something that players should definitely watch out for. But for me, again, I'm just happy to have a sacrifice outlet in the command zone. So that is generally where I kind of tend to lean towards with this commander is taking advantage of that effect as much as possible. So we didn't ever uh, cover what award Extus won. Uh, What was he Mm -hmm. most likely to be? Uh, Extus strikes me as the type to win uh, Class Clown. I think that's fitting. This is is Class Clown. That makes more sense than a Class Homicidal Maniac. So I'm on board with that, Joey. Well, yeah, when you show up with that giant plastic axe that the uh, the blood, av- <laughs> blood avatar has on the back end, um, people are going to find you kind of silly, kind of a ringleader, um, maybe just taking directions and, and following the clowns around. So, yeah, class clown works for me. All right. Uh, let's let's move next to the commander that um, Dana, tell us about who was voted most likely to succeed. <laughs> Who's up next? Who's the next most popular commander from these sets? The uh, next most popular commander is um, the tall boy at seven mana. 
Belladros Witherbloom just stands out in a crowd, head and shoulders <laughs> with everybody else with that CMC. An Elder Dragon, only a 4-4, which is okay, you know. He's skinny, tall but slim. Um, Belladros has flying, of course, like most dragons do. At the beginning of each upkeep, create a 1-1 black and green pest creature token with when this creature dies, you gain a life. And you may pay 10 life and untap all lands you control. Activate this ability only once each turn. Each turn, not on your turn. So if you've got uh, 40 life to spare, every turn on the board, you can untap your lands on every single turn. This is a crazy amount of token output. Like, I'm actually a little bit scared of how many pests that can create. And it's been interesting to see the ways that players are taking advantage of that. For example, if they want to continue with the Witherbloom's life gain theme that we saw from the precons, you can add in an Essence Warden to your deck. But you can also just do a bunch of other crazy stuff like, I don't know, your pests are black and green, so Sovereign Queen of the Golgari wouldn't mind if you started sacrificing them to grave pack to your opponents out, right? Well, and we, we're, we've we seen Creekwood Liege, which is the uh, all green creatures and all black creatures get plus one, plus one. Like, that card is shot up in price because of this, because you're making three threes every turn, and turns out, like, we should have taken more lessons from Tendershoot Dryad, where you're making tokens <laughs> each upkeep. Yep. Um, so putting this effect in the command zone, uh, it's just insanely powerful. So, yeah, it, Belladros, like, oof, if people f- catch wind of him, like, I know his wings aren't very stout, but, uh, man, they, they, they can get you going. You know what sounds especially nasty with Belladros's uh, pay 10 life ability to untap your stuff? Um, pairing it with a card like Villas Broker of Blood, who will draw you cards whenever you've lost a bunch of life, so you'll have untapped your lands and you just drew 10 cards, and that sounds really nasty. Maybe you'll build another Golgari deck. Hmm. I don't think you need another one. You, you already have like 17, <laughs> I think it was, 18? Eight. Uh, yeah, that, that few. And plus, Joey, seven mana is a lot in Golgari colors. It's like the equivalent of four in some other color pairs. So colors. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, you have to get there first. That's tricky. That's that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, Bellagers is doing some crazy stuff and there's a lot that can go on with it. It's really interesting to see the ways that folks are also kind of infusing this with a bit of the aristocrat style, but then also plenty of just life gain shenanigans can come up. And that is also true of the next commander, the next most popular one that we're seeing, which is Dina Soul Steeper, who is... A really clever little commander who just drains your opponents whenever you gain life. She is showing up with a near 700 decks to her name so far. She's also a sacrifice outlet that seems to be a really common theme is having sacrifice outlets in the command zone who can pump herself up using that sacrifice ability. But mostly players, I think, are probably pairing this with a bit of a combo engine is what we're seeing according to its data. The one time I have seen Dina Soul Steeper, the winner of uh, Best Smile, mind you, um, <laughs> It was, in fact, in a combo deck, so um, that does make sense based on my experiences. Uh, I I was actually kind of thinking that she would win best hair. Um, that was just my guess, because um, all those leaves, like, you got to, it's pretty intricate. No, the, the winner of best hair, Matt, is Ruxa, because he's a bear who's got a bunch of hair all over the place. Well, according to our listeners, it was me, actually, that won best hair. Um, <laughs> no, it, we established that a couple weeks ago. No, we didn't. We, we mm, okay. So to go back to the combo situation with Dina, yeah, she's got this really crazy ability where whenever you gain life, each opponent loses one life, but then you can pair that stuff with exquisite blood. So whenever your opponents lose life, you'll gain that life. And that is a really easy way to go with her that is going to net you quite a lot of wins. But Matt, what else do players seem to be doing with this commander? 
Well, players do seem to like just gaining life in general. Um, so they're kind of playing like Soul Sisters. Um, granted, you can't play Soul Warden in this deck because there's no white, but you do have Essence Warden, which is roughly the same card. Um, whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you gain a life. Pretty quick and simple. Um, comboing that with Marauding Blight Priest, um, which is a common from Zendikar Rising. And whenever you gain life, each opponent loses one life. So just an extra copy of Dina, roughly. Um, all sorts of different things. Um, Vito, Thorn of the Dusk Rose is a card you might recognize from Twitch.com tv slash edh retcast um where dana's <laughs> busting it out every now and then um but just a lot of just whenever cards do the thing you do some more life gain and life drain um so just lots of going in deep into those strategies um but then there's also like the tet the, or excuse me but then there's also the pest cards like tend to the pests which is an instant from Strixhaven where uh, you, as additional cost to cast a spell you sacrifice creature and then you put x one one black and green pest creature tokens um where when those creatures die you gain a life where x is the sacrifice creatures power um a little bit of overlap actually with Belladros, where you know you have all these pest type of creators um, that you saw with Strixhaven so that you can enable it to you know get a blocker gain some life so all sorts of different strategies with that too yeah Dina being as popular as she is compared to all of the other stuff going on is just kind of surprising to me because she's just an uncommon from the main set but players seem a lot more interested in what she's able to do than even some of the other mythics and extra stuff that we're getting even from the pre-cons like the Witherbloom pre-constructed deck doesn't actually have a whole bunch of numbers for all of its commanders with a slight exception to Guillaume Master chef because people like his food but even then he's not as popular as dina is so it's interesting to see where folks are putting all of that energy for the black green life gain thing that we've seen emerge from the strixhaven set proper just to see where all of that energy is going and it turns out that it's this uncommon that's kind of winning out over a handful of the others with of course the assistance of the dragon that we mentioned earlier well and dina might end up being kind of like what we saw with kinnon or some other just very narrow but powerful type of legendary creatures where people figure out the deck and then they move on fairly quickly um, we've seen mm. this happen several times where people got very very excited about a commander um, because it's obviously very powerful it lends itself very easily to kind of a combo type of deck but then the the hype around that wears off a little bit and people move on to the more open-ended type of commanders that probably is going to happen a little bit i would say at least um with dina soul steeper i think that's that's a very fair yeah we'll have to keep an eye on where her numbers are, are going because she she graduated near the top of her class in this school but when she moves on to college will her grades keep up we'll have to see um and then finally let's round it up with our final top student here which is the pair of students actually adrix and nev who graduated together somehow they are the not Simic Quandrix commanders uh, from the precon who have ward, so it's tough to target them with stuff. But then also, if one or more tokens would be created under your control, twice that many of those tokens are created instead. So we've got a part of doubling season happening right here in the command zone for two extremely powerful token colors. Coupled up with stuff like Essex Fractal Bloom, these commanders can do crazy things with a right of replication, and I've been on the receiving end of that before, and I can tell you right now that it is scary. So right of replication targeting like a uh, um, Avenger Zendikar, maybe, who knows, um, might be a little scary is what I'm gathering from you, Joey. Just, just a bit. I'm not scarred from it at all. These are not crazy powerful things that needed to exist. Yeah, these things are really, really exciting, and it's really cool also to see the number of like clone effects that have kind of appeared on Adrix and Nev's page, specifically some cards like Quasi-Duplicate that are getting added to that precon that can make token copies of specific creatures so that you can double up those and get not just like extra 4-4 tokens, but also extra copies of regular creatures. So that's actually a, a cool, clever twist that we're seeing on this page. Yeah, and the mechanic of copying tokens or making twice as many tokens, I should say, is very, very popular among players. 
but it's not the kind of thing you have really had as an option very frequently in the command zone. Uh, right, you have two reflections way back in the day, but it's an activated ability, so it was a little trickier to take advantage of that without having mana up. Um, as long as Adric can never out and you're, you're making tokens, you're making copy of those tokens. So it's just really, really useful to have that in the command zone. And it's something that people always like to do anyway. The popularity totally makes sense given all of that. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, some of our, our our top students, but you know, I'm sure that we've got other superlatives, other yearbook best of or voted most likely to X or Y for other commanders here. So even though they aren't getting huge numbers, Matt, let's let's briefly. I, I, I felt like I could sense you uh, cooking up some other ideas about other commanders that had been earning some rewards. So so who else was in this class that we should note real quick before we move on to the spells from the set? Oh, you mean some superlatives, as in uh, yeah. most likely to be a tattle tale um that one's definitely going to go to niles discipline enforcer um <laughs> sees you breaking any rules you can bet he's gonna snitch um it's it's, it's rough but somebody's gonna be that person <laughs> mm-hmm. i i really want to give a quick shout to by felisa who i think is definitely the strixhaven prom queen felisa fang of Silverquill, who i love this ability and i want this commander to get more popular please because the plus one counters becoming inkling tokens is just a whole lot of fun Again, there's a lot more room for aristocrats going on in this set, and I'm just totally digging it. So, so is is this the point in time when we finally announce the um, nominee for best dressed? Who would it go to? I mean, I think it has to go to Killian, right? I think everyone saw that coming. <laughs> it, it was either best hair or best dress, and we already did best hair, so uh, Killian nails best dressed. Yeah, I'm I'm super down for that, but I do think that loudest definitely goes to Zephyr Thunder Conductor because. The thunder goes boom. Well, and especially when you're conducting like a whole band of it too. Like, yeah, gets <laughs> gets a little loud, a little quick. Um, I actually, I did have an award for best piggyback rides. Uh, that goes to Mavinda <laughs> Students Advocate. Um, just so friendly. You know, you're having a bad day. Mavinda's there for you. Just, hey, let's go. Let's go up in the sky. Ready, set, go. And like piggyback rides are great. So going on a giant owl for a little fly around the school, um, 10 times better. I appreciate that. I looked up another superlative real quick, and it was apparently Life of the Party. I don't remember this being a thing that folks voted on for the yearbook, but Dana, who would win Life of the Party, do you think? I mean, you've got Brina down there, but um, I guess because she helps other people out, but she seems pretty intimidating to to, to be at a party. I don't, I'm not sure if I want that uh, scary warlock there um, entertaining my guests. All right, that's that's fair. Uh, that's that's not how you party. You don't party by having I, your, maybe your opponents attack each other. Yeah, maybe that's on me. Maybe that's <laughs> I, maybe I don't know how to party correctly. Okay. Any other shouts that we got to get from you, Matt? Oh uh, well, well, uh, just because I'm building an Alibu deck, uh, I realized um, he's very good at staring contests. So most likely to win a staring contest is Alibu Ancient Witness, um, just off being a golem, and those cold dead eyes just never stop looking at you. And I just saw you also put down something about most likely to form a band. <laughs> oh, yeah. A Tivish Gloom Summoner. Um, just because of the name, mm-hmm. um, most likely to form a metal band you'll never hear of. Yeah. Tivish Gloom Summoner is really cool because you can gain life and then make demons and stuff like that. But he also definitely has some, you know what, not just metal band vibes, but also some Mugatu vibes going on, which I, I'm totally here for. Um, and then, Matt, I hesitate to ask, who would you say is teacher's pet? Well, teacher's pet obviously goes to, um, well, maybe the teacher's pest you might say um blex <laughs> vexing pest um <laughs> probably gonna be the teacher's pet um by default even all right i think i had that one coming 
Excellently done, Matt. That was really cool. Okay, so that was the graduating class of Strixhaven. Those were the top commanders and then some other fun stuff going in there. There's a lot going on here, but... Overall, most of the set, Matt, as you noted, was definitely wordy. They had some very run-on sentences in some of those uh, text boxes. But at the end of the day, I don't know if I can complain because there's some really cool stuff going on in these command zones. So then we want to talk about some of the lessons that people actually learned. What were the most important spells from this set? But, you know, before we get to that part of the show, how about we uh, pause and take a brief moment for challenging some stats? What do you say? There's just so much data on EDA track, but, you know, we don't always agree with it. Sometimes cards see too much or too little play. So we'd like to challenge those stats to keep all of those lessons fresh in our minds. Dana, how about you start us off this week? What's your challenge? So my challenge is kind of a a budget card. Um, Yes, Rhythmic Study is absolutely amazing if you have the money to buy one. Um, yes, Mystic Remora is fantastic as well, but it's also like $8 nowadays. Um, and they're both a little bit annoying to constantly ask for the tax. Remora eventually goes away anyway. So this would be a kind of a budget replacement for those in a couple decks that doesn't see enough play, and that's Secrets of the Dead. Um, it's in just over 4,000 decks. It's two in a blue. Whenever you cast a spell from your graveyard, draw a card. And there's a handful of commanders out there that really, really easily take advantage of that. You have Savin the Chronoclasm that lets you cast spells from your graveyard just by existing. Gisa and Geralf let you cast zombies from your graveyard. Um, Emery Lurker of the Lock lets you cast artifacts and Obviously, Maldrotha lets you cast everything from your graveyard all the time. So if you're playing one of those commanders and you want to have one of those permanent draw effects out there and, and don't have a Remora or don't have Rhystic Study, Secrets of the Dead does a really good job imitating those cards and drawing you um, at least once a turn, if not multiple times a turn, for a card that costs 24 cents. And it should be in more than like 40% of the Emery decks or 42% of Modrotha decks out there. Nice. All right, Matt, let's move to you. What's your challenge this week? So my challenge this week actually is a listener submitted challenge. Um, so Demir Buffalo uh, <laughs> in our Discord, which you can join over at patreon.com slash EDH RecCast, um, submitted the challenge, which I actually I'm kind of ashamed that I haven't put it in decks. I've considered it, but I haven't put it into the the deck specifically that Demir Buffalo is challenging it in. So the card is Fanatical Devotion, which is an enchantment that you can just sacrifice a creature to regenerate a target creature. Um, so Demir Buffalo points out that it is way too low in Alila Artful Provocateur decks, um, which is the Esper colored commander whenever you cast an artifact or enchantment. You create a 1-1 fairy and also gives all your fairies plus 1 plus 0. Um, and points out it uh, looks like only 57 decks are currently running Fanatical Devotion. Um, it's way too low. Obviously, it's super synergistic with Alila. Um, triggers with the creation of the fairy every time you cast it. But it's also repeatable board wipe protection, um, targeted destruction, and an insurance policy for a deck that can easily produce a cloud of creatures. Most Alila decks can make so many fairy creature tokens that it's almost so almost impossible to get rid of um, any of your key creatures, including your Alila, because you're always making more fairies. Now, Demir Buffalo, I've never heard of a buffalo in Demir colors. They're usually green (laughs) or white sometimes, but 
I really do like this pick. I considered it a little bit, and I have one laying around for my Alila deck, so I might have to give it another glance. So I definitely do like this challenge. I love that name, and I love this enchantment a whole lot. I love me sacrifice outlets, and I, I, I think I have a problem because I can't seem to escape all of the sacrifice outlets that I keep noting. But sacrificing stuff is really, really good. Graveyards are awesome. Um, the challenge that I'm going to make has nothing to do with graveyards, though, so hopefully I'm just going to hard cut segue into my challenge here. Um, specifically, I'm looking at a card that has a bit of a rules nombo that I just want to take this opportunity to point out. Varen Voice of Duality that we saw uh, doubles up any of your permanents that trigger whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell. So there's a whole bunch of really cool artifacts appearing on Varen's page, from like Aetherflux Reservoir, for example, to get additional life gain so that you can pump up for 50 damage, and just a whole bunch of other artifacts. But one that's showing up in 20% of Varen decks so far is Twinning Staff. Twinning Staff says if you would copy a spell one or more times, instead copy that spell that many times plus an additional time, and you can choose new targets for the additional copy. At first, this reads like a card whose trigger would be doubled by Veyron, but it turns out that's not a triggered ability at all. That is a replacement effect, so that is not really affected by Veyron if you are copying anything. This is not a permanent that gets an additional trigger. 20% of folks are playing it in Veyron deck so far. That's probably fair as long as you know the rules around it, so this could be a number that I think may go lower. It maybe will go higher if you're committing way more to the actual copying effect, but just note that there is not a non-bow, but there's not a rule synergy happening there between the 20 staff and Veyron that I just really wanted to point out for any folks who are building that deck right now. You, you know, Joey, I, I would have more to say on your challenge here, but uh, honestly, I, I stopped paying attention um, just purely as payback, though, um, because you didn't like my dad joke, which I thought was pretty out there. Oh, OK, well, well, because done there, Mister. because I, I see what you did there. And let's be real. I had that coming. So Nicely done. Nicely done. All right, fellas, let's move now to talking about the most popular spells that we're seeing from Strixhaven, the, the best lessons that were learned for this graduating class of 2021. This metaphor is falling apart. Um, it seems to me as though some of these kind of fit into categories, like there are better themes that were enhanced based on the cards that we got from each of these sets. So Dana, uh, tell us about some of the spellslingery cards that we're seeing that are emerging as really, really popular from these sets. Well, the, the first two that really jump out here are Stormkiln Artists, which is uh, three in a red, and it gets plus one, plus oh for each artifact you can control. So in any heavy artifact deck, that's a pretty swole creature the second it hits the field. But it also has Magecraft, so whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, you create a treasure token. So just by casting the spells you're going to cast, you make this bigger by making treasure that you can also use for mana. Um, there's just a lot of different decks where that's a useful card. Similarly, Archmage Arc uh, Meredith, two blue blue, uh, Magecraft as well. Whenever you cast or copy an instant sorcery spell, you draw a card. There's a ton of decks um, where that's just a really, really useful ability. Just card draw on a body that rewards you for doing the thing you're already doing. Um, very, very powerful. We've even got stuff like Solve the Equation, a three-mana instant and sorcery tutor that's showing up in over 3,000 decks now, too. Like, I am not a Spellslinger player. I, I just, I'm really not. But I picked up the Zephy Precon, and he's really, really impressed me. Like, if you can copy a couple of things, like, you make a lot of 4-4s four with that deck, and you've got a huge board state. And these cards that enhance that deck, like the Artist or like the Emeritus, they do a lot of work, and it's... If it can warm the heart of a cold necromancer like me, I just think that's really impressive. <laughs> well, it, it, we learned with the last set and then, you know, with 
uh, Dockside Extortionist from the Precons a few years ago that, you know, making a lot of treasure tokens is extremely powerful. So Storm Kiln Artist, even though it's four mana, uh, being able to just crank out those treasure tokens every time you cast an instant or sorcery or copy them, uh, man, that, that adds up really, really quickly. Um, and there's Archmage Emeritus, do a thing, draw a card. It's classic, classic <laughs> Simic design um, and mono blue just falls into Simic perfectly. So um, yeah, it's they're just incredibly powerful cards that have the groundwork already laid. So yeah, the, it's no surprise that both of these are, are towards the top. And both of those creatures in over 4,000 decks so far and solved the equation with Joy Mentors and over 3,000. So these have all really started to, to penetrate into the existing EDH decks rapidly. Yeah, all, almost 20% of all eligible decks are playing them so far, which is yeah. that's a pretty significant percentage of decks that are already adopting these cards. Mm-hmm. Let's also check out the numbers on two other cards that were really, really hyped when they were previewed. Archaeomancer's Map and Monologue Tax are two ramp options for Mono White. Um, Archaeomancer's Map, its numbers are holding very similar to the numbers that we just saw with like the artists and stuff, because it's in over, uh, over 4,000 decks and it's shown up in 21% of decks that can play it so far. That is a of course, the artifact that enters the battlefield grabs you some planes, and when your opponents play lands, if they've got more than you, you can play one of those lands from your hand. And then Monologue Tax is showing up in slightly fewer, only about 2,700. It's the one that makes you a treasure whenever an opponent casts their second spell of the turn. I do think it's kind of weird that it doesn't make you additional treasures if they keep casting spells. It's only a one-time tax if they go over time, I guess. Um, but, you know, it kind of continues that down that line like we saw with Smothering Tithe, where White's Vorm of ramping is for some reason people barfing out jewelry. Well, in Monologue Tax, I think is is paying a smothering tithe tax uh, on its price. <laughs> uh, people are expecting it to be very, very good. Um, it's approaching $20. Uh, I, I, man, only being able to create one treasure token per person per turn, like that's very limited and it requires them to be doing a lot. Um, Archaeomancer's map though, that card is the truth. Absolutely that card. I mean, I think in talking about it before it even came out, we were all pretty hyped on it. And it's better than that whenever I've seen it. Whenever I've had it in hand, it's been just a monster. And that price point is probably the only thing keeping it from being an even more dex. It's it's such a good card. It might even be better outside of like mono white or boros than it is in, in those those colors. Um this is why I need to run more basic lands. It's that that <laughs> good because there it you is. Don't, don't have it's, enough, you can't go fetch your two. I, I've been waiting almost three years for you to say those words. <laughs> I need to play more basics. Uh, but like, but you're, you're absolutely like the, the price tag is the only thing keeping that card back. Yeah. It, but like it's already one of the most played cards in the 99 of decks. Um, over 21% of eligible decks are playing that, um, which is one of the highest in C21 or Strixhaven. Yeah. I do want to also linger just one more second on the monologue tax, specifically because I think the numbers, like the commanders that it's showing up most popularly for, is a big precon effect thing that we're seeing. It is still mm-hmm. most loyal so far in percentage to Osgear decks, but I don't think that that is the right place for this card. For example, I would prefer to use it in my Thalese deck if I had one, because making treasure tokens, Thalese will then make spirit tokens as a result of it. This might even be better in something that's a bit more enchantment focused. I feel like this is an out of place card for the artifact decks. So be wary of the numbers that we're seeing because it's largely informed by the precon effect, I think, so far. That's where I wound up putting Enjoy was in a, a heavy enchantment. My, my Athreos Pestilence deck that cares about mm-hmm. enchantments to a degree um, and then also cares about big bursts of mana. So it did things I wanted there. And it played, I, I was actually kind of down on it. I wanted to test it, but I didn't have high hopes. Um, 
it was good. It wasn't great. It wasn't Archimancer's map, um, but it was good enough in that deck. I, I, but I do think you're right. It needs to be in a deck that has added synergy either from those tokens or from sacrificing stuff or from being an enchantment. So talking also about some of those cards that can go into a whole bunch of different places, um, can we talk about Wandering Archaic real quick? Because this one's showing up in uh, nearly 3,500 decks so far, and I think I'm in love. Um, Wandering Archaic is the colorless card from this set, which looks like an old Drazi, but isn't. Whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, if they don't pay two mana, you get to copy that spell. I've copied a Cyclonic Rift with this thing because they, it was an urgent need and they couldn't pay the extra two. Like, this is a really crazy card. It has a backside I don't even feel the need to read because just copying additional sorceries from your opponents is really, really crazy good. And this card can go anywhere. I didn't believe that this was a real card at first. Like people like told me what it does. I didn't think it was real. The, the only thing I will say about Wandering Archaic, because it's absolutely crazy strong, um, because the power in it isn't necessarily base and whatever deck whatever your deck is doing it's just a great card doing its own thing but doesn't necessarily support your particular build i could see people kind of doing a mirage mirror thing where like i saw a ton mm. of mirage mirrors when it came out because it was functionally useful in almost every deck but after a while it became the kind of thing that was easy to cut because you had one in a ton of decks to begin with and it wasn't necessarily doing what your deck was doing it was just in there as a value piece so i'll be curious to see what the numbers on this one look like in six months when people have been forced to make cuts and they're like well that's a good card but i want to try this new thing that does what my deck does versus this new this this colorless card that's just always good. Yeah, that is an interesting relationship that we see sometimes where sometimes the more niche cards for a very specific strategy have better deck data than the cards that have a lot of general applicability. So that's, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on this one as well, see where its grades end up. But so far, I've been really impressed. It's super, just like I was with yeah, Mirage Mirror, actually. It's super powerful, for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, up next, can we talk about some of the removal spells here, just to note their popularity? Um, there were a handful here, like Fracture or Mortality Spear, that are showing up in a little over 2,000 decks each, but then Culling Ritual happened. Culling Ritual gets rid of a bunch of stuff that doesn't cost a lot of mana and then gives you a bunch of mana back for it. I've made over 200 mana with this card, and it's another thing that I'm in love with, and I didn't even expect to be, but I really like this thing. I've cast Culling Ritual twice, and it's just wound up being free. <laughs> That's the worst case scenario usually. You you destroy a couple creatures for no mana. You just basically have to discard a card and you break even. And that's the worst case scenario taking out a bunch of creatures. That's amazing. And it only gets better from there. Yeah, I like it lives up to the ritual in its name. Like it yes. absolutely is going to generate you mana in more situations than not. Like it does stink that you can't hit bigger targets, but if you're just trying to use this as a ritual effect, uh, chances are you're still going to come out ahead and it's going to do exactly that. Yeah, again, I made 200 mana with this thing. Shout out to Jeremy Noel. You know what you did and how many tokens that you were trying to make. And this was a great way to pay him back for that. So yeah, the removal from this set is another thing that we're seeing as kind of emerging as a cool new theme. And I just think that's a, a neat thing to see where the numbers are landing on that because the removal's also, turns out, uh, getting decently popular here too. Then I finally, we can go through a handful of other ones because the numbers do start to dwindle under 2,000 at that point. But Cursed Mirror is a card that I feel like its numbers are not high enough. That is the red mana rock that enters the battlefield and it can be a copy of a creature with haste for just that turn and then it will go back to being a mana rock. 
I heckin' love this thing. I don't usually play a whole bunch of red, but this card's amazing. I am actually surprised to see that it's only in nearly 2,000 decks so far because this seems like the truth. Part of the problem there is it's it's so good that people didn't want to take it out of their deck. They bought the pre-con and like, I'm just going to keep running Curse Mirror. Mm. <laughs> so they're probably kind of tricky to get a hold of because I, yeah, totally agree. Fantastic card and um, I just love the way they've been been putting really good value on three mana mana rocks lately and this is just one more example and it's funny because it the the downside of mana rocks is you know you draw your your soul ring on turn 12 it's not very impactful at all so this has the the built-in ability to kind of get around the downside of being a mana rock that you draw that late in the game it it can be a, a winning card um and you cannot say that about very mana mana rocks at all so we saw there a handful of the most popular spells from the set but that doesn't leave room for us to talk talk about our personal favorites or the ones that we think have the best flair to them. So Matt, despite their popularity, like these spells were held back a grade, maybe this metaphor is falling apart on me again, <laughs> but what are some of your favorite uh, spells that are coming up from uh, this set that you hope you get to see even more numbers in the future? Um, well, Blossoming Bog Beast. Uh, it's not a great card necessarily. It's, it's it's four and a green for a three three beast, and when it attacks, uh, you gain two life, and then creatures you control gain trample and plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the amount of life you've gained this turn. Um, if you need a budget version of Pathbreaker Ibex or any of those types of overrun things, um, if you're playing a life gain deck in Mono Green, which isn't hard to do, uh, you can get some pretty good value out of this. Uh, I think it's just a nice budget card that's going to fit into a lot of decks. It's a dollar. Um, compared to Crater Behemoth, which is 50, um, there's definitely a place for Blossoming Bog Beast. It's only being played in about 1,200 decks or so right now. Um, and I just I think that that card has a lot of potential in budget decks um, just because like, giving all your creatures trample and a little bit of a buff um, out on a repeatable thing, like that's that's pretty nice. Um, but I also like Blight Mound, actually. Mm. Um, it's two and a black for an enchantment, attacking pests you control get plus one, plus oh, and have menace. Um, and whenever a non-token creature you control dies, create a one one black and green pest that has the you know when it dies you gain one life um if you're sacrificing a lot of stuff or if you have a board wipe that goes down joey i'm speaking your language here i, <laughs> I feel like you should be reinforcing this um but just buffing up those pests if you're playing like bella dross witherbloom or any of those types of pest type decks um you can give them some pretty potent knocking out power and then uh, giving them evasion to always worth mentioning. I, I just think both of these cards, like they're being forgotten a lot. Um, they're only being played in like five to 7% of decks so far. Um, and I think that's just a little bit low. It's so weird to me that some of Matt's favorites include like stuff like aristocracy cards. And then some of my favorites from the set include stuff like Surge to Victory, which is so stinking stupid how good this card is. You exile an incender sorcery from your graveyard and then your creatures get a buff for its mana cost. And then if you hit people with those creatures, you can cast that spell again. There's so much that you can do with that just in terms of the, the and, and there's even spells that like can discard themselves from your hand, like Magma Opus, for example. You can just free discard that. So you've got like just an eight drop spell in your graveyard that this thing can manipulate. This card is crazy. And even if you're not casting additional spells with it, that pump is sincerely really good to get a bunch of little tokens to just be completely lethal. Matt, have you and I switched places with the cards that we like from this set? What's going oh, on? Oh, no, I, I love Surge to Victory. Like I bought a couple of them because that card is just too good to not put into decks. 
Uh, like it, it, if you have any sort of go wide strategy, you're just going to dome the living essence out of everyone that you see. <laughs> it's only at like 600 decks so far. Come on, folks. This card's amazing. Like I want to I just want to exile Chandra's Ignition with this and just watch things go boom. <laughs> well, one I would like to shout out here that's only in 1700 decks, but that may be because of price here as well as Ink Shield. <laughs> um, and it's like ideally you have someone swing at you with a giant creature and then you use your own duelist heritage to give that creature double strike <laughs> and then you cast ink shield works fantastic in that situation and i believe we also had joseph johnson on our stream blow uh, i think joey out with it as well it's it's a blow card it just creates insane plays every time it's cast and once more copies are out there in the wild, it's going to be in a lot more decks because it's an amazing card. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Joseph Johnson. Really appreciate all of the the hell you hath wrought with the ink <laughs> shield. Doing a Prevent all damage and then make a bunch of two ones with flying for each of that damage. Crazy. It's it's I it's like mm. five mana for a fog seems like so much, but this is so much more than a fog. Like this makes arachnogenesis seem quite tame. Which is saying something, because Arachnogenesis is not tame. It is an amazing card, yeah. So, like, this card just goes above and beyond. Yeah, there's so much happening in this set. And I feel like I still haven't even gotten to all of my favorites. Like, I also want to acknowledge Callous Blood Mage real quick, which is just a three-mana two-one that can draw you a card, make you an additional pest token, or can exile someone else's graveyard, which usually I'm averse to, but I want to be the only one who gets value from casting a living death. Thank you very much. So this is a great role filler. There's nothing that card doesn't do. That card juliennes your potatoes <laughs> so for good. you for when you cook Tuesday evenings. Yeah, like like that card that card does everything. Like there's just so many cards that just you can put in literally any deck, even if it's not on theme, because there, you're gonna find just ways that this is going to be good like sedgemore witch is the same thing like if you're casting spells great but it's also just like a decent aggressive creature um that's hard to kill it's got the ward where people have to pay three life to target it with a spell like there's just so many good cards in this deck or in this these sets i should say well one both joey and i both liked a ton was stinging study which is mm. the five mana instant speed draw x cards lose x life for x is the mana value of a commander you own on the battlefield or in the command zone um, it's just always going to draw you a fistful of cards and it's probably a little bit limited by, you know, people probably don't want to run it in the commander that costs three, but like four, five, six, that feels really good. Instant speed drawing six cards for your six drop commander that hasn't even left the command zone yet. Yeah. And the cards that we're talking about right now are showing up in like a thousand or less decks. Yeah. And I know that these sets haven't been around for a whole bunch of time, but compared to the numbers that we saw for some of these other cards so far, I just feel like there's a lot that's getting overlooked here, which is, although it's really cool to have that, you know, there's so many good cards that we'll find new stuff coming up all of the time feeling, it still does feel like we're getting some of these buried under an avalanche of really high quality stuff. So the students that were at the top of the class, the cards that were at the top of the ratings, there's so much going on beneath those. There's so many gems in this dang set. I didn't expect to be as impressed as I am by this these sets, but holy wow, these are cool cards. Like I said, I was primarily looking to put cards into decks versus use a commander for a new deck. And I wound up putting like four to five cards in the vast majority of my decks out of this these two sets, technically, I guess, Commander 21 and, and Strixhaven, there was just so much good stuff that um, I, I, I had to make room for for multiple cards in every deck I have. 
Well, and we haven't even mentioned Dana's all-time favorite uh, sorcery cast now, uh, Crackle with Power, which is the XXX <laughs> Red Red card uh, that deals five times the X to up to X targets. Um, I, I believe there's a certain enchantment that Dana loves as well that triples the damage <laughs> output. Um, so putting those two together just seems like Dana's got his own deck like just brewing right away. I'm, I'm all set. I love doubling, tripling damage. That's great. So... I feel like the only duds that we are really seeing from the the each of these sets. If you're buying a precon, I feel like you're going to get really great cards. If you're getting cards from the set, I feel like the singles are just there's so many that are out of this world. I feel like the only cards that I'm kind of like eh, D minus are the snarls, the lands that you have to reveal stuff to have them come into play untapped. I'm like they're fine. They're not great. They're they're not transforming. They're not they're they're they're, they're clearing my throat, but they're not making me gag. Like it's just like. <laughs> Eh, you know they're, they're whatever um you know one card i was somewhat disappointed with the couple of times i've drawn it was reconstruct history um which is the boros recursion spell where you can bring back mm-hmm. a card of you know multiple different types um now this may entirely be the deck where i was running it but i struggled to get multiple cards back the, the couple of times i saw it mm. um you know planeswalkers is one of the things on the, on the um, card. Well, most people aren't running enough planeswalkers in, in their decks outside of Super Friends decks to regularly have them in their graveyard. Similarly, artifacts, unless you're playing a specific deck, very rarely do your artifacts wind up in the graveyard or at least not consistently enough to get one back. So it was something where I, you know, even ignoring someone having a scavenger grounds free or something, um, the, the few times I saw it when I was testing it, I had a tough time getting that value back. Yeah, exactly. Like aside from a handful of some trouble students, the overwhelming majority of the set just really feels like I give it an A plus. That, that's that's the grade that I give to Strixhaven. Matt, what grade do we assign? What, 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 do you, what do you give it? What grade did Strixhaven deserve? I mean, I, I know that the set is very, very good because I've seen so many people excited about it. Like the, the hype around this just because of the cards in the set. Um, I know it's great. Um, I know the word counts. You know, we, we asked for a three page report and we got like <laughs> 10 pages um, on that. Like I have to knock it down a little bit, but like it's, it's definitely a successful set. Definitely something that a lot of people are just absolutely in love with. So I, I'd give it like an AA minus because, man, they gave us a little more than we asked for, maybe. But that's never really a bad thing. We think about the, the player base as a whole. It's not all about me. It's about everybody else. And, and everybody loves the set. Yeah, it, it it transformed Boros. It gave us new directions for other color combos. It made a Necromancer enjoy Spellslinger. There's a lot going on. And, and Dana, what, what is your final grade as well? I am going to have to go in the uh, the A range as well. Um, there's just so much stuff here. And it feels like it's stuff that you're not just testing out to see if it works and maybe, mm. you know, dropping it later on. Like, I'm not sure at what point in a black deck with a six-drop commander – I don't want Stinging Study. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure at what point in a deck that has access to black and white, I wouldn't want to keep running Ink Shield or why I would take Archaeomancer's map out of a deck where I'm running it and it's effective. I feel like a lot of these cards, once they go in my decks, they're just not coming out. They're, they're that good and that effective. And that's something, you know, in the past, there's been sets where, yeah, I try three cards, but I know full well I'm just testing this one and I, and I know it's not going to be around forever. A lot of these cards felt like ones that are going to stay in the places that I made for them. 
Yeah, this has uh, been a really great re-review of the stuff that we've got from Strixhaven. Overall, class of 2021, congratulations. Move the rope from one side of your cap to the other side because you you have officially graduated. Go out into the world and do amazing stuff in the Commander format. This set is looking crazy, and we I hope we get to enjoy it as much as we can because pretty soon another set will be right up next, taking its place, and we'll see how that one's grades compare to the amazingness that was this graduating class. So, fellas, with that, what we should probably do is call this episode to a close. What do you say? If our listeners would like to get in touch with us, where is it that they can find us all? Matt? So you can find me on the Twitters at Mathemus55. That's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5. And don't forget, Wednesday evenings, we are still streaming over at twitch.tv slash EDH Repcast. Um, we have guests on every single week. Um, and the games are always, always so much fun, um, in case you couldn't tell, because people are ink-shielding Joey, and that's just <laughs> always a pleasant time all around. And Dana. You can find me on Twitter at Dana Roach. You can hear me every Friday on my other podcast, CMDR Central. And once a month, I'm putting out articles for EDH Rec and for Commander's Herald. And you can find all of us together at patreon.com slash EDHRecCast. And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter, and you can find the cast at EDHRecCast on Facebook and on Twitter. Plus, if you've got a question for us, you can contact us at EDHRecCast at gmail.com. Our thanks go out one more time to the folks at the Command Zone who handle all the post-production work on our podcast. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors for the show. They are TCG Player and CardKingdom.com and Altersleeves.com. You can find them using the price info links on EDHREC or by visiting CardKingdom.com slash EDHREC to show your support for the show. And don't forget, you can get custom altar sleeves at altersleeve.com slash EDH rec cast. We'll be back at you next week with more data and insights. But until then, remember EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck. <laughs> <laughs>